Can we just give it up for the worship team one more time, guys? They put a lot of time and effort into leading us every Wednesday, and so we thank you guys for that. Um, well, what's up, guys? Uh, I hope you all have had a good day. I hope you've had a good week. Um, yeah, I guess not. Um, no, but for anyone here who haven't gotten the chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Caleb. Um, hey, Jordan. Uh, this is my first semester serving as a C group leader, so I get to be with some of you high school guys. Uh, that's been really cool. But as you all know, for the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Reclaiming Intimacy. And um, in case you forgot, this series really focuses on relationships. And again, these aren't the romantic relationships that you might be thinking about. Uh, so for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to ask you to forget about that cute guy or girl, just really quick, right? So if you remember, Matt brought the word on you and the church, right? He talked about how we're a singular body, how we're purposefully placed, and how we're a unified community. And then after that, Thomas brought the word about you and the mission field, right? He mentioned that accountability is really important and that even though sharing the gospel is tiring and difficult, we have that community that can build us up. And last week, Octavio shared with us what the word says about you and your crew, right? So like you and your group of friends, he talked about what a godly friend looks like. He said that a godly friend is loving, a godly friend is encouraging, and a godly friend is selfless, sorry, not selfish. Now, before we go any further, I want to give a huge shout out to the preaching team. Uh, they came up with this sermon series basically all on their own, so yeah, we can give it up for them. Um, and I just want to thank Eli also for giving us the opportunity to do cool stuff like this. And I just want to share with you guys really quick uh, this concept or idea that basically the entire um, sermon series is based off of. So I don't know if we have a picture, we might not, but basically it's this, this funnel, right? And so when Jesus was on the earth, he had different types of relationships, right? There it is. So when Jesus was on the earth, he had different types of relationships, right? So you see 5,072, 12, 3. The 5,000 represents his public ministry, right? So large group gatherings, you could... Con you could um, compare it to maybe like church, right? People came, they listened to his preaching. Uh, you see that in stories like where he fed the 5,000. Um, and then we have the 72, which is not only the people who came to listen to Jesus, but they obeyed him and he sent them out to share his good news. He sent them out to share the gospel in pairs of two. And we see this in Luke 10. And then we have the 12, right? Who most of us are familiar with. These are the 12 disciples. Um, these people physically follow Jesus for pretty much the entirety of his ministry from the, the start until he died, then he rose again and went back up to heaven. And oftentimes we think those 12 are the closest people that Jesus had to him. But there's actually a group of three people um, who kind of acted as Jesus' inner circle. And these were Peter, James, and John, right? They were a part of the 12, but throughout the Bible we see that really these were Jesus' inner circle. Um, and so hopefully you can see how the past few sermons have kind of connected, right? Matt talked about you in the church. Thomas talked about you and the mission field. Octavio talked about you and your group of friends, right? And so today we get to focus on that last part, which is you and your most intimate relationships. And so we can go ahead and jump in. Now you can go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. Uh, while you all get there, I'll give you guys a little bit of context. So basically what's going on here is Jesus is just starting his ministry on earth, right? He's grown up, he's about 30 years old at this point, I believe. And so, you know, he gets tempted in the wilderness, all that. And he begins to preach. And here in this verse, we see him call 
his first disciples, right? Who also happen to be the people who become his inner circle later on. These are Peter, James, and John. So Matthew 4, verse 18 through 22 says this. Jesus, walking, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. They were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their nets, and Jesus called them. At once they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. So really quick, I want to ask you guys to think about one of your friends, okay? So it could be any of your friends. Just think about one of them. Kind of keep that in your head. And I want you to think about how you all became friends, okay? So for me, most of my friendships formed because we had something in common, right? And I think it's the same for most of you all. Your answer might be something like, oh, well, we went to the same school. We were in the same club, right? We played the same sport. We had class together. Maybe we were neighbors. Um, and from there, after you met, your friendship grew. And there's nothing wrong with that by any means. But what we see here in the scripture is just so different from how you know, we, norm we normally meet people and how we normally make friends. Um, like we, you know, Jesus wasn't just walking around like, hey, I wonder who I'm going to meet today. No, he went directly to Peter, James, and John, and he said, follow me. Right? He went to them specifically, and he called them by name, each of them. And this is the first point when it comes to this idea of reclaiming intimacy, which is that intimate relationships require intentionality. All right? Intimate relationships require intentionality. And intentionality, intentionality is really just a fancy way to say that something is done with purpose. Right? When Jesus called these disciples, he did so with purpose. He knew the relationship that would be formed later on and he knew that they would become his most intimate relationships. So this wasn't just the, hey guys, let's go hang out. You know, hey, you want to come follow me? Let's go, I don't know, grab a bite. No, no, this was an invitation that was intentional, and it was an invitation to something that is so much greater and deeper than just casual friends. All right. And if you continue to look at how Jesus interacted with these three people through the rest of the book of Matthew, you'll see this sense of purpose behind his conversations, the sense of purpose behind the times that he spends with them, and so what does this mean for us, right? Now, of course, I'm not saying to go up to random fishermen and ask them to follow you. Don't do that. But if you are a follower of Christ, I want you to think about yourself, and then I want you to think about your friends who are also believers, okay? And I want you to ask yourself, am I being intentional with them? Is there a deep, loving, you know, purpose behind your conversations, or are you just interacting casually? I want to tell you right now that the biblical intimacy that we see between Peter, James, John, and Jesus, it doesn't just happen. Excuse me. If you don't already have an intimate relationship with other believers, I want to make it very clear that it's not going to pop out of nowhere, okay? You have to be intentional with each other in the same way that Jesus was intentional with his inner circle. And so now we're going to go ahead and jump forward in the book of Matthew. If you all would go with me to Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. I'll give you all a second to get there. So Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39, it says this. Jesus came with them, this is talking about his 12 disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, you sit here while I go over there to pray. And so he sits down to 12, and then verse 37 says this. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. The two sons of Zebedee being James and John. He began to have 
much sorrow and a heavy heart. Then he said, my soul is very sad. My soul is so full of sorrow. I'm ready to die. You stay here and watch with me. This is, he's telling the three. He went on a little further. He got down with his face on the ground. He prayed, my father, if it can be done, take away what is before me. Even so, not what I want, but what you want. So at this point in the Bible, we're nearing the time where Jesus is getting ready to die. He's getting ready to be arrested and crucified. And being God, he knew it was coming, right? He knew what he was sent to earth to do. Um, and, you know, he felt grief, obviously, right? We have to remember that, yes, he was God, but he was also fully human. And so Jesus felt the emotions that you and I feel every day. And so when you think about the death that he was about to have, right, it was not, you know, a quick death. It was torturous and long, and it was meant for really the worst criminals that they had at that time. Um, we really can't even begin to imagine the weight of the emotions that Jesus was feeling. And I don't know about you all, but when I'm stressed or when I'm feeling down or when I'm in a low place, my instinct is to keep it to myself, right? I think that's mainly because of pride, because I like to feel like I don't need anyone, because I kind of have that, you know, machismo um, idea, like, nah, bro, I'm good. I don't need your help. Like, don't ask me how I'm doing. But if we look again at what Jesus was doing in this moment of distress, let's read it again. Verse 36 to 37 says this. And Jesus came with them, right, the 12, to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, you sit here while I go over there to pray. And then out of the 12, he takes his intimate, you know, inner circle. So 37, he, take, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, a.k.a. James and John, with him. Then he began to have much sorrow and a heavy heart. So you see, within Jesus' inner circle, right, within his most intimate relationships, he was vulnerable and he was open. He was willing to share these low moments with Peter, James, and John. And he was willing to pour out the very depths of his heart to God with these three people present. They were with him when he did that. And this is the second point, which is that intimate relationships require vulnerability. Right? You could also say intimate relationships require openness or transparency. And yeah, it's scary. Like, I don't know how many of you have shared something that you've been holding like very deep in your heart to someone else. That's a hard thing to do. And embracing and sharing your vulnerability, it will feel risky, but it's not nearly as dangerous as missing out on the Christ-centered intimacy that we can have with other believers. And now that we've seen Jesus's model of openness with his intimate friends, we should ask, what might this look like for us, right? So we've seen Jesus do it. How does this apply to our lives? Maybe for you, that means opening up about an addiction or a struggle that you've been battling with by yourself for a really long time. It could be something as simple as being honest, right? When someone asks, hey, are you? Hey, how are you? Because, you know, what I see a lot is, hey, man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, it's very surface level. Maybe it's just being vulnerable enough to ask someone else for prayer, you know? Being like, hey, man, this is going on in my life right now. I need you to pray for me. That's, that's vulnerability. It's, it's as simple as that. And let's not forget that it's a two-way street, okay? So within those intimate relationships that you have, with other believers, you should also be willing to listen, also be willing to share their burdens, be willing to pray for them, and be willing to hold them accountable. And so as we look at Jesus' relationship with his inner circle, I really want you all to think about whether or not you have those types of relationships in your life. If you don't have these types of intimate relationships, I'm not asking you to go pour out your heart to every single person in this room, okay? But I do encourage you to find those one, two, or three people that you can have intimate relationships with. And I know it can be scary to be vulnerable. 
I know it can be difficult and time-consuming and, you know, hard to be intentional. But there's so much benefit in having people who know you on a deeper level and that can be there for you. And overall, these intimate relationships are a God-given opportunity where you can build each other up to be more like Christ. And that brings me to my final point for tonight, which is that Christ-centered intimacy builds Christ-likeness. And so as we wrap up, I want to share you, with you all some of my personal experience. Um, and so I want to ask you all if you can guess where I have seen the most spiritual growth in my life. Right? Um, if you can throw up the, the funnel again real quick. It, it definitely wasn't in the 5,000, right? So it wasn't when I was sitting in church with 40 other people at Remedy. It wasn't when I was in big church with like 100 other people who I didn't know. It definitely was not there where I saw spiritual growth, right? And I'm not saying those things are bad by any means, right? Those, it's so important to gather and worship God as the unified body of Christ. And Matt talked about the importance of that in week one. But to answer your question, the place where I've seen the most growth is in those intimate relationships with that one person or with this one person, right? Because it's in those relationships where I have had the ability to say, hey man, I'm struggling with sin. Can you pray for me and help me because I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I can't get out, right? You don't do that with everyone here. You do that with that intimate relationship, right? And it's also in these relationships where when I was down or I was confused, the love and the truth of Jesus Christ was shown to me through that other person. And so as we move on to C groups, I just want to encourage you all to think seriously about intimate relationships, right? Between believers, ask yourself if you have them or not. And if, if you do, how can you build them up? And if you don't, how can you find them? And before I pray, before we dismiss, I just want to uh, make an invitation. If you haven't ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, you know, like these intimate relationships are great and they're so important, but if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, that is the most intimate relationship that you will ever have. And so if you're interested in that, or if you just want to ask someone about that, ask your C group leaders right now as we break up. Um, but other than that, let's pray. And we'll, we'll go ahead and break into C group time. Uh, dear Father God, I thank you just for this time that we have together to worship you. I thank you for just everyone that's in this room. Um, they're not here on accident. Uh, you plan for them to be here and to hear your word. And so I pray that as we break off into C groups, that you would work in each of our hearts. You would help us to be open. You would help us to be intentional with one another and seek to build those intimate relationships in which we can grow closer to you. And I just thank you for your word. I thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.